Chapter Six of Alice Dugdale by Anthony Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anthony Ogus. The Archery Meeting. The Assistant Deputy Inspector General, when he reached Brook Park, found that things were to be done on a great scale. The two drawing rooms were filled with flowers, and the big dining room was laid out for tomorrow's lunch in preparation for those who would prefer the dining-room to the tent. Rossiter was first taken into the baronet's own room, where Sir Walter kept his guns and administered justice. "'This is a terrible bore, Rossiter,' he said. "'It must disturb you a great deal, Sir Walter.' "'Oh, dear, dreadfully. What would my old friend your father think of having to do this kind of thing? Though when I was at Christchurch and here at Wadham... "'We used to be gay enough. "'I'm not quite sure that I don't owe it to you.' "'To me, Sir Walter. "'I rather think you put the girls up to it.' "'Then he laughed as though it were a very good joke, "'and told the Major where he would find the ladies. "'He had been expressly desired by his wife "'to be genial to the Major, "'and had been as genial as he knew how. "'Rossiter, as he went out on to the lawn, saw Mr. Burmeston the brewer walking with Edith, the third daughter. He could not but admire the strategy of Lady Wanless when he acknowledged to himself how well she managed all these things. The brewer would not have been allowed to walk with Gertrude, the fourth daughter, nor even with Maria, the naughty girl who liked the curate, because it was Edith's turn. Edith was certainly the plainest of the family, and yet she had her turn. Lady Wanless was by far too good a mother to have favourites among her own children. He then found the mother, the eldest daughter and Gertrude, overseeing the decoration of a tent which had been put up as an addition to the dining-room. He expected to find Mr. Cobble, to whom he had taken a liking, a nice, pleasant, frank young country gentleman. But Mr. Cobble was not wanted for any express purpose and might have been in the way. Mr. Cobble was landed and safe. Before long he found himself walking round the garden with Lady Wanless herself. The other girls, though they were to be his sisters, were never thrown into any special intimacy with him. "'She will be down before long, now that she knows you are here,' said Lady Wanless. "'She was fatigued a little, and I thought it better that she should lie down. She is so impressionable, you know.' She was Georgiana. He knew that very well. But why should Georgiana be called she to him by her mother? Had she been in truth engaged to him, it would have been intelligible enough. But there had been nothing of the kind. As she was thus dinned into his ears, he thought of the very small amount of conversation which had ever taken place between himself and the young lady. Then there occurred to him an idea that he would tell Lady Wanless in so many words that there was a mistake. That doing so would require some courage, but he thought that he could summon up manliness for the purpose, if only he could find the words and occasion. But though she were so frequently spoken of, still nothing was said which seemed to give him the opportunity required. It is hard for a man to have to reject a girl when she has been offered, 
but harder to do so before the offer has in truth been made. I am afraid there is little mistake in your ideas as to me and your daughter. It was thus that he would have had to speak, and then to have endured the outpouring of her wrath, when she would have declared that the ideas were only in his own arrogant brain. He let it pass by and said nothing, and before long he was playing lawn-tennis with Georgiana, who did not seem to have been in the least fatigued. "'My dear, I will not have it,' said Lady Wanless about an hour afterwards, coming up and disturbing the game. "'Major Rossiter, you ought to know better.' Whereupon she playfully took the racket out of the Major's hand. "'Mamma is such an old bother,' said Georgiana as she walked back to the house with her Major. The Major had, on a previous occasion, perceived that the second Miss Wanless rode very well, and now he saw that she was very stout at lawn tennis, but he observed none of that peculiarity of mental or physical development which her mother had described as impressionable. Nevertheless, she was a handsome girl, and if to play at lawn tennis would help to make her husband happy, so much at any rate she could do. This took place on the day before the meeting, before the great day. When the morning came, the girls did not come down early to breakfast, and our hero found himself left alone with Mr. Burmeston. "'You've known the family a long time,' said the Major, as they were sauntering about the gravel paths together, smoking their cigars. "'No, indeed,' said Mr. Burmeston. "'They only took me up about three months ago.' "'just before we went over to Aulis. "'Very nice people, don't you think so?' "'Very nice,' said the Major. "'They stand so high in the county, and all that sort of thing. "'Birth does go a long way, you know.' "'So it ought,' said the Major. "'And though the Baronet does not do much in the world, "'he has been in the house, you know. "'All those things help.' "'Then the Major understood that Mr. Burmeston had looked the thing in the face.' and had determined that for certain considerations it was worth his while to lead one of the Miss Wannesses to the hymeneal altar. In this Mr. Burmeston was behaving with more manliness than he, who had almost made up his mind half a dozen times, and had never been satisfied with the way he had done it. About twelve the visitors had begun to come, and Sophia with Mr. Cobble were very soon trying their arrows together. Sophia had not been allowed to have her lover on the previous day, but was now making up for it. That was all very well, but Lady Wanless was a little angry with her eldest daughter. Her success was insured for her. Her business was done. Seeing how many sacrifices had been made to her during the last twelve months, surely now she might have been active in aiding her sisters, instead of merely amusing herself. The Major was not good at archery. He was, no doubt, an excellent Deputy Inspector General of Cavalry, but if bows and arrows had still been the weapons used in any part of the British Army, he would not, without further instruction, have been qualified to inspect that branch. Georgiana Wanless, on the other hand, was a proficient. Such shooting as she made was marvellous to look at, and she was a very image of Diana, as with her beautiful figure and regular features, dressed up to the work, she stood with her bow raised in her hand and let twang the arrows. 
the circle immediately outside the bull's-eye was the farthest from the mark she ever touched but good as she was and bad as was the major nevertheless they were appointed always to shoot together after a world of failures the major would shoot no more but not the less did he go backwards and forwards with georgiana when she changed from one end to the other and found himself absolutely appointed to that task it grew upon him during the whole day that this second miss wanless was supposed to be his own almost as much as was the elder the property of mr cobble other young men would do no more than speak to her and when once after the great lunch in the tent lady wanless came and put her hand affectionately upon his arm and whispered some word into his ear in the presence of all the assembled guests he knew that the entire county had recognised him as court there was old lady deepbell there how it was that towards the end of the day's delights lady deepbell got hold of him he never knew lady deepbell had not been introduced to him and yet she got hold of him major rossiter you are the luckiest man of the day she said to him pretty well said he affecting to laugh but why so she is the handsomest young woman out there hasn't been one in london this season with such a figure you're altogether wrong in your surmise lady deepbell oh no no i'm right enough i see it all of course the poor girl won't have any money but then how nice it is when a gentleman like you is able to dispense with that perhaps they do take after their father a little and he certainly is not bright but upon my word i think a girl is all the better for that what's the good of having such a lot of talky-talky lady deepbell you're alluding to a young lady without the slightest warrant said the major warrant enough warrant enough said the old woman toddling off then young cobble came to him and talked to him as though he were a brother of the house young cobble was an honest fellow and quite in earnest in his matrimonial intentions we shall be delighted if you'll come to us on the first said cobble the first of course meant the first of september we ain't so badly off just for a week's shooting sophia is to be there and we'll get georgiana too the major was fond of shooting and would have been glad to accept the offer but it was out of the question that he should allow himself to be taken in at cobble hall under a false pretext and was it not incumbent on him to make this young man understand that he had no pretensions whatever to the hand of the second Miss Wanless. "'You're very good,' said he. "'We should be delighted,' said young Cobble. "'But I fear there is a mistake. "'I can't say anything more about it now, "'because it doesn't do to name people. "'But there is a mistake. "'Only for that I should have been delighted. "'Good-bye.' "'Then he took his departure, "'leaving young Cobble in a state of mystified suspense.' The day lingered on to a great length. The archery and the lawn tennis were continued till late after the so-called lunch, and towards the evening a few couples stood up to dance. It was evident to the Major that Burmeston and Edith were thoroughly comfortable together. Gertrude amused herself well, and even Maria was contented, though the curate as a matter of course was not there.
Sophia, with her legitimate lover, was as happy as the day and evening were long. But there came a frown upon Georgiana's brow, and when at last the Major, as though forced by destiny, asked her to dance, she refused. It had seemed to her a matter of course that he should ask her, and at last he did, but she refused. The evening with him was very long, and just as he thought that he would escape to bed, and was meditating how early he would be off on the morrow, Lady Wanless took possession of him and carried him off, alone, into one of the desolate chambers. "'Is she very tired?' asked the anxious mother. "'Is who tired?' The Major, at that moment, would have given twenty guineas to have been in his lodgings near St. James's Street. "'My poor girl!' said Lady Wanless, assuming a look of great solicitude. It was vain for him to pretend not to know who was the she intended. Oh, ah, uh, uh, yes, Miss Wanless. Georgiana. I think she is tired. She was shooting a great deal. Then there was a quadrille, but she didn't dance. There's been a great deal to tire young ladies. You shouldn't have let her do so much. How was he to get out of it? What was he to say? If a man is clearly asked his intentions, he can say that he has not got any. That used to be the old fashion when a gentleman was supposed to be dilatory in declaring his purpose. But it gave the oscillating lover so easy an escape. It was like the sudden jerk of the hand of the unpractised fisherman. If the fish does not succumb at once, it goes away down the stream and is no more heard of but from this new process there is no mode of immediate escape. I couldn't prevent her because she is nothing to me. That would have been the straightforward answer, but one most difficult to make. I hope she will be none the worse tomorrow morning, said the Major. I hope not indeed. Oh, Major Rossiter! The mother's position was also difficult, as it is of no use to play with a fish too long without making an attempt to stick the hook into his gills. Lady Wanless. What am I to say to you? I'm sure you know my feelings. You know how sincere is Sir Walter's regard. I am very much flattered, Lady Wanless. That means nothing. This was true, but the Major did not mean to intend anything. Of all my flock, she is the fairest. That was true also. The Major would have been delighted to accede to the assertion of the young lady's beauty, if this might have been the end of it. I had thought... Had thought what, Lady Wanless? If I am deceived in you, Major Rossiter, I never will believe in a man again. I have looked upon you as the very soul of honour. I trust they have done nothing to lessen your good opinion. I do not know. I cannot say. Why do you answer me in this way about my child? Then she held her hands together and looked up into his face imploringly. He owned to himself that she was a good actress. He was almost inclined to submit and to declare his passion for Georgiana for the present that way out of the difficulty would have been so easy. "'You shall hear from me tomorrow morning,' he said almost solemnly 
"'Shall I?' she asked, grasping his hand. "'Oh, my friend, let it be as I desire. "'My whole life shall be devoted to making you happy, you and her.' "'Then he was allowed to escape. "'Lady Wanless, before she went to bed, "'was closeted for a while with the eldest daughter. "'As Sophia was now almost as good as a married woman, "'she was received into closer counsel than the others.' "'Burmiston will do,' she said. "'But as for that cavalry man, he means it no more than the chair.' The pity was that Burmiston might have been secured without the archery meeting, and that all the money spent on behalf of the Major should have been thrown away. End of chapter 6